permitted him to live. Where? Father? What happened? I need help. What is democracy? What is democracy? It's got something to do with young men killing each other. When it comes to my turn, will you want me to go? For democracy, any man would give his only begotten son. Hey everybody, Hillsdale's most trusted and beloved lawyer returning to you. Now I realize I'm not beloved by all, but I'm beloved by just a slim, slim enough plurality that I was able to give that title to myself. So if you're new to the show, I give my take both as a lawyer and as someone who cuts through all the bullshit and just tells you like it is. And I made this show because I was sick of the constant lies and gaslighting we face from government and media. And as most of you guys know, I tell the cold, hard truth to people that the mainstream will not touch. I take a lot of flack for it. But, uh, you know, as Omar from The Wire would say, it's all in the game, though. And I just want to, once again, thank all of you thought criminals that do support the show. Last episode was, in fact, my most viewed since I brought this show back recently after about a year hiatus. And actually, as a matter of fact, it was the second most viewed show I had of all time. So thank you guys. You guys are all very dope. And if you really like what we're doing, you can support the show. It's just $5 a month. And that'll just help keep it going. Help me put content out. And those of you do that do know me know how extremely busy I am. But I still take the time to put content for you guys together to get the truth out. And you guys put your money where your mouth is, so that is much appreciated. But for the rest of you, it does not cost you a dime to share the show with your friends, family, on Facebook, with Karens at work. (laughs) Maybe you don't want to do that, but whoever else you want to share it for, it's absolutely free to do so. so. So those that do that, that's also appreciated. That helps us get the word out there and the truth to more people. So today I'm going to be talking about the 1-6 insurrection and the revelation Tucker dropped. I know most of you are already familiar with this, um, probably watched him discuss it or coverage of that, but the reason I'm discussing it today is to provide a little insight from a legal perspective and I'll touch on a few other similar matters. I'm going to tie it all together, as you will see, um, for the bigger picture. Now, I knew from day one this entire January 6th thing was just another phony baloney hoax. I mean, after a year of the COVID cult insanity, it wasn't really hard to see how this game is played. Tell a lie, sell the same narrative everywhere in cohesion, have the brain-dead midwits, repeat it nonstop, and, of course, shame anyone who even questions it, i.e. people like me. Now, full disclosure here, I had quite a few friends at the 1-6 event. I actually would have been there myself, but I was studying for the bar exam at the time. I didn't feel like freezing my ass off on a bus for two two days with that looming uh, less than a month away. But I was at home, and I saw the cameras, you know, kind of just tuning in before supposed all hell broke loose. 
And you could clearly see that it was a staged, kind of made-for-TV event. And I don't care what Swamp Donkey Liz Cheney has to say about it. Okay. <laughs> but immediately after, I mean, kind of while the same day, really later on, I heard from my friends, you know, about what really went down, as many people are now finding out, or at least, you know, the whole uh, conspiracy theorists are being confirmed, their beliefs are being confirmed from Tucker. Since that time of January 6th and this whole narrative they pushed, I've railed against this ridiculous narrative that the government and media have pushed on this very show. Go back and check it out. I have a show in February 2021 on the very topic where I go right through it. And more recently in episode 76, still a while back, granted, like two years ago, but I discussed the uh, FBI intimidation, entrapment, and even torture as they detained hundreds of protesters at this event without bail pretrial. And some of those are still incarcerated now as we speak two years later. But I'll get, I'll get to more of that um, later on in the episode. That episode 76 is also worth checking out because I believe, could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's the one where I play a video clip from my friend Lance, who was at the 1-6. The FBI actually was even here in Hillsdale, Michigan. Even though no one here went in the building, committed any crimes, broke anything, anything crazy like that, but they were here. Uh, presumably trying to get someone to incriminate themselves, to drum up probable cause, to uh, make some kind of arrest, or at the very least just trying to intimidate the so-called domestic terrorists. <laughs> and um, if you listen to his recording of his interaction, his responses are pretty funny because you can tell he wasn't having it. But first, just to lay a foundation here, I am going to start with Tucker. In late February, he ran clips on his show from among 40,000 hours of the surveillance tapes uh, that he received in and around, and those tapes are from in and around uh, the Capitol building on January 6th. He got those from Kevin McCarthy, who is the, uh, he's a Republican, he's the Speaker of the House, and as Speaker of the House, he had custody of all those tapes, um, anything relating to the House he has, not, not the Senate per se, but is, as far as it relates to the House of Representatives. And he gave them to Tucker. Now these tapes have evidence, both of criminal behavior, because crimes were committed. Now granted, they weren't people trying to overthrow the government or whatever, but you know, some people did break things or trespass or what have you. But there's evidence of criminal behavior and there's exculpatory evidence in the video, which is important. And I'll get into more of that too. But those videos should have been subpoenaed by the government. And the government typically has custody of what happens in a criminal case. Government sees evidence, sometimes keeps it, doesn't release it during the process. I don't know what happened here with that. But Fox producers extracted exculpatory tapes of the QAnon shaman, you know, that Viking hat guy, that's usually what I call him. His name is Jacob Chansley. And Mr. Chansley is a former U.S. Um, Navy veteran. He does have some mental disabilities, and his lawyers did argue about those on his behalf. What these videos show is, again, I know some of you know already, 
is that Mr. Chansley walked through the building. He was escorted by police. They didn't stop him. They escorted him. And he made a statement on the floor of the Senate, which granted that is where it was illegal to be, but the police escorted him right up to there. And Mr. Chansley did plead guilty to a uh, four-year prison sentence. Should Mr. Chansley have pleaded guilty? No, absolutely not. The, his lawyers should have had these tapes. That is exculpatory evidence. Now, thankfully, in light of these revelations, Mr. Chansley has been released from prison, and apparently now he's in a halfway house until um, May 25th, but he served 27 months for a crime that was concocted and acts he was entrapped into doing. Now, I know many of you have heard this, but I'm just going to play this only a minute long here from Tucker. To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. So, as I stated, being on the floor of the Senate, of course, is a crime. But Mr. Chansley has a valid defense. His defense is that police escorted him, and that is a legitimate defense in this case. This is a crime of intent. What is intent? No, no, not law and order criminal intent. It, intent is a category of mens rea, which is Latin for mental state. It's a legal term that in certain crimes is an element that the government must prove beyond a reasonable doubt to secure a conviction. Intent is the highest standard of mens rea. It's more than just, say, mere negligence or recklessness. Um, it's commonly explained as having malice aforethought. So, if Mr. Chansley thought he was lawfully present, which you could understand why, if police are escorting him, not stopping, or telling him not to be there, then Mr. Chansley had no intent to break the law. These tapes should have been turned over to Mr. Chansley's lawyers and all the lawyers in this case. There were defenses to these crimes that his lawyers apparently were unaware of, and the exculpatory evidence should have been shared. Now, you might be wondering, what is exculpatory evidence? Exculpatory evidence is evidence that may excuse, justify, or absolve the alleged guilt of a defendant. Prosecutors have an affirmative obligation, whether they're asked or not by the defense attorney, to share exculpatory evidence to lawyers and defendants in criminal cases. I practice criminal defense. I always ask for it just to cover all my bases and just be like, yo, prosecutor, um, 
I better have all this stuff so I can properly defend my client. But regardless, they have to give it over because if you're on the defense side, which probably is the case with this lawyers here, you may not know that this evidence exists. This evidence is what's known as Brady material, and it's named after a Supreme Court case, Brady v. Maryland. Um, that was 1963, and it requires prosecutors to disclose material, exculpatory information in the government's possession to the defense. Brady material includes any information favorable to the accused which may reduce a defendant's potential sentence, go against the credibility of an unfavorable witness, or otherwise allow a jury to infer against the defendant's guilt. And this was further codified in subsequent cases, notably U.S. v. Bailey, 1985, and Kyles v. Whitley in 1994, but that's a little bit beyond the scope of what we're talking about here. But if a Brady violation is discovered, say, during a trial, the court can either right then and there declare a mistrial or prohibit the prosecution from using unfavorable evidence which could be discredited by the withheld information. Just depends on the circumstance, the context. But because the Brady rule inherently involves a lack of information on the side of the defense, violations of the Brady rule are typically only discovered after the defendant is already convicted. Now, the fact that these tapes are just now, or a month ago, I guess, came out, this is a travesty of justice. This is reprehensible. Chansley was serving a four-year term, and... He has been released, but he's just one. 700 defendants were arrested. All of them are entitled to look at these tapes. So this begs the question, with these tapes hidden for so long, what were people so afraid of in releasing them? Why not show us what was in those tapes? Well, because it certainly embarrassed the Empire and their obedient press, who for years now have defamed and smeared Mr. Chansley as the face of the white supremacist armed insurrection to overthrow the U.S. government. Which, of course, was all a lie, it turns out, as I've told you all along. Now, with Tucker dropping this, what was the response from the Ferengis? Well, Senator Chuck Schumer said it's a bald-faced lie. <laughs> I'm not sure how a videotape can be a lie. I mean, it's just a tape. What's on there is on there. But Schumer was already with threats and typical hysteria towards Tucker for breaking this news. That's the kind of doubled, doubling down and gaslighting we'll see and continue to see as it relates to this. Because at this point, they are just too invested. There's, you know, it's long been the point of no return. I mean, what'd you think they were going to do? Admit, admit it's all been a giant uh, concocted load of shit? <laughs> nope. Nope. They built a house of cards on this narrative. It's, it's a Ponzi scheme. There's only two options. Keep it going or watch the whole thing collapse. And you know what? His army of blue-pilled midwits will back him up every step of the way. That's what the regime does. One lie after another, when those lies are exposed... Just, just cover it up with more. And there's only one reason they get away with it. It's because these people who can't handle the truth, they plug their ears, they regurgitate whatever narrative they're told, no matter 
what facts are literally smacking them dead in the face. Now, with all this, keep in mind, remember uh, summer 2020? That's when the real violence occurred. And now the same people telling us these countless, countless lies about the uh, insurrection. Those same people, they were cheering on as cities were looted and families had their livelihoods literally burned to the ground. See, the truth will set you free. And I know that's why you guys support this show, but the response to Tucker releasing this info tells you everything you need to know. The doubling down is a great example of the Empire's mask falling in their efforts to save face. I'm going to bring up a little about something you might know a little less about. The Proud Boys trial. Currently going on, it's been going on for about 11 weeks. The defense might rest here soon. Five members of the Proud Boys are currently on trial for sedition in federal court in Washington, D.C., Sedition is a conspiracy to overthrow the federal government by the use of force. And of course, this case stems from the January 6th at the Capitol. Now, during this trial, some crazy shits come out. Um, an FBI agent inadvertently admitted that she was asked to doctor and to destroy evidence and that her colleagues have spied on defense lawyers in this case. Does that sound like a free country? Does that sound like a fair trial to you? This is dark stuff. But let me tell you a little more. So, first to go back about conspiracy. Prosecutors love this, these type of cases because they're easy to prove. Yet every modern definition of crime includes some kind of element of harm. Since conspiracy is essentially a thought crime... The courts have dispensed with the element of harm. The government needs only prove the existence of the agreement and the single step in furtherance of its consummation. The government need not prove harm. See, there isn't harm in conspiracy cases as the so-called conspiracy doesn't succeed. Obviously, the government wasn't overthrown by these five Proud Boys. If it did succeed... The government would charge the actual committed crime. They wouldn't need to charge conspiracy. Conspiracy, now you need to distinguish, it's not the attempt of a crime. Attempt is its own thing. Attempt requires defendants come just one material step short of completion of that crime. Attempt often does cause harm, as in, say, attempted murder in which the victim is shot by a defendant but survives. Can a conspiracy exist that is impossible to succeed? No. If the conspirators concoct a plan that cannot factually succeed, then by definition, there's not only no harm, but the prosecution is exclusively for the employment of forbidden mental processes. See, the Ninth Amendment states that government shall not deny or disparage the natural rights of persons. There's no moral or legal basis for government condemnation of ideas or thoughts. This includes, of course, all thoughts, even those that are negative about government. The attorneys for the Proud Boys lost this argument. Most courts, of course, simply defer to the government. Even when it prosecutes thoughts, 
even when it violates our natural God-given rights, and even when the defendants have not harmed a hair on anyone's head. There are no crimes prosecuted more aggressively than those in which the government portrays itself as a victim. During this trial, an FBI agent has admitted un under cross-examination that she was asked to alter evidence so as to remove the name of another FBI agent as having been present during a critical government meeting between agents and a confidential source. Obviously, okay, materially altering government records, particularly those likely to be evidence in a criminal case, is a crime. Now, that same agent also revealed that she was asked to destroy 338 items of evidence by her FBI superiors. If this were not enough, the same agent revealed that the FBI has been surveilling the communications between one of the Proud Boy defendants and his legal team. Since the latter was done without a search warrant, it too is a federal crime. Will any of these government agents be prosecuted for the egregious violations of federal law and the Proud Boys' constitutional rights? <laughs> what do you think? When you're ruled by narcissistic sociopaths, there's one thing you have to realize. There are no lengths they won't go to to eliminate anyone in their path. Now, the final point I want to touch on that I alluded to earlier is the conditions the January 6th protesters are being held in. It's literally uh, Guantanamo Bay type stuff, except they're American citizens on American soil, which query the legality there. <laughs> Not only were and still are some being held in indefinitely without bail, but they are subject to very cruel conditions. As I've touched on in that episode 76, I don't want to belabor that point, so you can just watch it if you want uh, the details there. But just a day or two ago, MTJ or um, M MJ, you know, MJT, yeah, wait, no. I had it right the first time. Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah, so that's, oh, it's MTG, okay. Marjorie Taylor Greene, anyways, she was on Tucker, and she was discussing her recent visit to that facility. And this is about a minute and a half. Check this out. Saw was a big cover-up. You see, I've been in that jail before, and I know what it looks like. I was there back in late uh, 2021 when myself, along with Louis Gohmert, were the only ones to go into the jail and see the conditions that the pretrial January 6th defendants were being in being held in. And it was so horrific that we wrote a report called Unusually Cruel that's still on my congressional website today. Well, we finally were allowed to go back in after demanding another visit from the mayor's office for over a year. Um, we went in with the oversight committee, and what we found is they had scrubbed the jail clean, cleaned up all the mold, and freshly painted the entire area so that it looked a lot better. Well, I got to tell you, Tucker, it fooled the Democrats, Robert Garcia and Jasmine Crockett, that came along with us because they praised the jail after we left in their mm. in their press conferences and praised the warden. But I guess since they're so new in Congress, they didn't know the history that this jail has and how many Democrats in Washington don't like the jail either. I mean, the fact that anybody is being held without even a trial yet 
over two years later is shocking to the conscience. Did the Democrats in the delegation seem stunned by that? It doesn't seem like an American thing to do. No, they didn't care at all. As a matter of fact, they criticized us for talking with the pretrial January 6th defendants and being friendly with them. But you know what? We would have talked to the other inmates and defendants that were in the jail in other areas if they had given us a chance. You see, it was interesting. The director and all of the employees at the jail, they wouldn't let us talk to anyone else in the jail, only the pretrial January 6th defendants, which I found very disturbing because I want oversight of the entire jail. But other things that I found that really bothered me, and I think it should bother everyone, and we as Republicans have to do something about it, is the medical director in the jail showed off and bragged about all of her medical services and treatments that they can provide in the jail. But when we talked to the pretrial January 6th defendants, they told us they were receiving no medical treatments for problems and health problems that they have. Even one man in there with non-Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma, he has cancer, and he doesn't get any treatment there. It, it's really an atrocity. I don't think you need to be a Republican or a Democrat to care about civil liberties and human rights. And Quite grotesque stuff. But that, my friends, is what we're up against. But to quote a line that is the title of one of Judge Knapp's books, it is dangerous to be right when the government is wrong. Till next time, take care. Peace. Any man would give his only begotten son.